Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> it is so good to see you guys. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it is great to be back, honestly. It is, it is incredible. The, the, the last few months, it's been very weird waking up on Sunday morning and not coming here to be with you guys, but um, needless to say, it is awesome to actually get to do that again. Uh, just in case, I know a lot of you have been asking, so I'm just going to explain what I did on my sabbatical. Um, by the way, if you, I, at the welcome party last week, I met people who had never seen me before because they came only like for the first three weeks. So anyway, uh, I'm Barry. By the way, I'm the lead pastor. It's really, really great uh, to, to see you and be with you. So on my sabbatical, I, I was told before I left by a, a counselor that I, I'm working with who's really, really great working with pastors, and his advice uh, to me was, you're more tired than you think you are. Your, your focus on sabbatical right now should really just be rest. Don't try, to, don't try to do like a bunch of like sharpening yourself and focus and big picture stuff and learning. Just rest. And I took that to heart. And so uh, for the first few weeks, I literally felt something happened in my body as I rested. I came into sabbatical with an eye twitch. I was stressed out. I wasn't sleeping great. And week after week, I noticed it physically changing as I just, just chilled out, uh, which was awesome. I spent long days working out in the garden. I built a big chicken run for our chickens. I sweat a lot. I got a great farmer's tan. I got poison ivy. All the good things that come from resting in my particular form and fashion. Uh, I have these beautiful little memories of just hanging out with my animals, uh, sweet moments with Olivia. We, we traveled to Guatemala together. We went on a, to a little lake house together. It was just delightful and wonderful. And of course, by the end of my sabbatical, I was really getting that itch to learn and grow and sharpen. And so I took like an online N.T. Wright course about the resurrection. Stay tuned for the Easter series. I'm sure you'll hear me regurgitating a lot of that. Uh, there was, there was, um, I read like 16 books. <laughs> so I just like, it was, it was, for me, it was exactly what I needed. And I'm feeling very uh, encouraged and excited about the next phase. And uh, what, a, what a privilege. So I just want to say thank you Thank you for, for allowing me the gift of that time of rest. Truly, I needed it, and uh, I'm just, I'm so grateful. What a, what a gift to be a part of a community that, that, uh, that seeks to uh, ensure that our leaders are not burning out. <laughs> it, it means a lot to me, so thank you. Uh, thank you. All right, so let's figure out if I still remember how to preach. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into this message, okay? Let's pray. Well, Father God, I want to say thank you to you as well. Um, you are the author of rest, and so I'm so grateful that you gave me this opportunity to recoup and to, to just spend time with you. What a gift. Um, I pray, Father, that, that we all uh, would continue to, to operate in that spirit of rest and Sabbath as we move into the hustle and bustle of the fall. Uh, we are grateful for all that you do. Now, Father, in today's message, as we begin Hope Month and talk about this, this very challenging uh, topic, I pray that you would simply speak to all of us, that your spirit would move. I pray that I would just disappear and that your Holy Spirit would remain as we open your word to look at what you have for us today. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is the fourth 
I believe, fourth annual Hope Month. We do this every year. This is uh, something that we do at Grace, uh, where we talk for a whole month every year about how God is healing the broken places of our world, and how we, as, as followers of Jesus, how we can join God in that healing work, right? That's what Hope Month is all about. Now, it's been a, a minute since we've like really fleshed out what the six broken places are, and so I just want to take a second and remind us of, of what they are, because it actually plays into the topic for this whole month. So let me explain the, the six broken places. Uh, what, what, what those are, we, we came up with it at Grace. My dad and, and Tim coined the phrase, but uh, Tim, Pastor Tim Ayers, we, we um, and my dad, who was the founding senior pastor, I know, I, I gotta remember there's context that not everybody has. Uh, the six broken places are a way of us describing what happens when we look around at our world and we just know, just from looking at it, that things are not the way they're meant to be, right? We look around, we, we, we notice that things are just not right. For example, when we look out into the world and we see injustice, you know, we see uh, people taking advantage of one another, or, or uh, we see poverty or hunger or inequality, we see that and we know that that's not right. Something's broken there when, when we see injustice. Or, or another example, when we see hatred, we see hatred, we see racism, we see classism, we see dehumanization. Hatred is proof to us something's broken down, it's broken. It's not what's best for humanity. Uh, when we see isolation, right, we see people who are alone or outcast from community. Something's broken down, it's not right. Or how about the decay of our planet? That seems to be all we see in the news right now. We see, you know, pollution and species extinction and man-made climate change and all of this stuff. And we are rapidly breaking God's beautiful creation. It's not the way it's meant to be. And of course we see pain. Pain, uh, physical pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain. Uh, we see cancer and anxiety and global pandemics and suicide humanity itself, our very bodies, are broken. It's a broken place in our world. But there's good news. There's good news in the midst of all of this brokenness, and it, it's, this, it's this, that God is in the business of healing those broken places. That's what he does. That's how he works. And through Jesus, he's, he's working through us to heal pain. He's establishing justice on the earth. He's overcoming hatred with love and so on. These broken places are being healed by God. That's what he's up to. And that, again, is why we talk about it at Hope Month. We want to dig into how God is healing the broken places of our world and how we, what, what we can be doing to join him in that healing work. Now, in the last several Hope Months, we've talked about hatred, we've talked about isolation, last year we talked about decay, but this year we are going to talk about the, the sixth, or maybe you could call it the first, uh, broken place that I haven't mentioned yet. It's the, the, the granddaddy of all the broken places, because this is the broken place that frankly leads to all the other ones. I'm talking about humanity's separation from God. Separation from God. We as a species— as a people, have fallen away from who God created us, intended us to be. Our relationship with our Creator has, has broken down. We are separated from Him. And as a result of that separation, we've broken the world, right? Because we are separated from our Creator, we, we hate, 
We perpetuate injustice. We, we, we trash the planet. We hurt people. We isolate them. All because of that broken relationship. That one broken relationship with God leads to all the other broken places. Bottom line is this. If we ever want to see this broken world healed, to become what it was meant to be, what God intended it to be, then we've got to deal with this, this massive broken place of people's separation from God. But just like with the other broken places, there is good news. There's good news that God is healing our separation from Him. He's in the business of healing it, and just like with the other broken places, we get to be a part of that healing. All right? So that's what we're going to talk about this Hope Month, this September. So let's dig in. How do you heal? How does one go about healing separation from God? Well, to find an answer to that question, we are going to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, and we are going to look at something the Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth. So uh, yeah, grab a Bible. It's going to be page 965 in the House Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. A um, little bit of context here. Uh, Paul and the church in Corinth had a bit of a rocky relationship. We're not really going to dig into this too far, but just suffice it to say, when he is writing this letter, the church in Corinth was starting to doubt not only his authority, Paul's authority, but also his message. They were starting to doubt whether or not what he was really saying about Jesus was right. And he was like, look, guys, this is not just some newfangled philosophy that I'm peddling. Okay, I'm talking to you about the very fabric of reality. This isn't just something I made up. And so here, here's what he says uh, to them as they are starting to doubt what, what he was telling them about Jesus. Verse 16, he says, So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. All right, we'll stop right there for a second. The key to what we're talking about, pretty much this whole series, is right here in verse 18, what I just read. A gift from God who what? Who brought us back to himself through Christ. God brought us back. Now, the implication is if he's bringing us back to himself, he's bringing us back from somewhere, right? So where were we? Well, we were apart from him. We were distant. We were separated. Now, next week, I'm going to walk you through the grand story of God's redemption, how, how he uh, began to, how, why we fell away from him in the first place, and how he worked to bring us back. I'm going to talk about that next week and how we're a part of that grand story. But right now, what I want to do is I just want to, I want to ask the question uh, in a thumbnail version, what gives? How did this happen? And how is God bringing us back to himself? So here's the very, very quick thumbnail version of the story. God created creation to be a very good place. He had a, a great intention for humanity to dwell with him in this creation in love and peace and abundance. But we had other plans, didn't we? We chose to separate ourselves from our Creator. We rebelled against God's good intentions and said, no, we think we, we know better than you do what's going to make us happy and whole. And so God wanted peace, but we chose violence. God wanted us to experience abundance, but we chose greed and inequality. God wanted equality, but we chose injustice, injustice. 
We were designed from the beginning to be representatives of God's purity and and order and life in this world, but instead we chose to become slaves to our own animalistic lusts and lurid passions and selfish impulses. We separated ourselves from God. Now, all of this rebellion, this, this, what we're talking about here is, is what we often call sin. Sin is our rejection of what God desires for us. We sinned. We, we separated ourselves from God. And again, out of this separation, out of this rejection, flowed all of the other broken places. Hatred, pain, isolation, it all comes out as a result of our rejection of God's desires. Now, of course, I I talk about all this like it's like the distant past, like this all happened a long time ago, but this is just the human condition, isn't it? I mean, you look around at your world, you look around, uh, just take a second and think about all the brokenness and the, the sin and the rebellion, all of it that you've seen in your world this year or this month, this week, Right? Think about what you've seen as you've looked out into the lives of the people around you. Think about uh, those around you who are completely driven by selfishness. Or, or the people that you love who are spiraling into despair right now. Think about uh, the abuse or the pain or the violence that you see day after day after day. This is what happens. This is the result of humanity being separated from God. We see it all the time. The world is broken. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. Again, look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. What Paul says here is God brought us back to himself through Christ. Past tense. It happened. He brought us back. So what's he talking about here? What's Paul, what does Paul mean by this? Well, Put simply, on the cross, Jesus took onto himself, into his body, he, he took onto himself all the consequences of our rebellion, of our sin, of our rejection of God. He took it all onto himself. The consequence of that rebellion is death and the ultimate separation from God. Jesus experienced that for us. But then God raised Christ from the dead. He defeated death's power and he gave all of humanity, every single one of us, a doorway to a a new kind of life where the separation that we experienced from him could be healed. Look back at verse 17. Paul says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Literally, I love this, in the Greek, he says, "If if anyone is in Christ, new creation, That's how he literally says it. There's no, like, that's the whole sentence. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. In other words, the old creation, this universe and everything in it, is defined, is is almost poisoned by human rebellion and brokenness and death. But God's new creation, which he began with the the raising of Christ into this, uh, from that grave into this world, that new creation that is beginning is defined by life right? By healing of our separation from God. In Christ, we are now face to face with our creator again, just as God intended it to be. And that new creation, as I always talk about, is is infiltrating our world all over the place. This is what God intended for us to experience. And that new creation, it is available to anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The broken place of separation from God is being healed. In my life, in your life, in the lives of those around us, anyone who chooses to follow in the footsteps of our Savior. And because of that, 
all the other broken places of our world can begin to heal too. The pain, the, the hatred, the isolation, those can start to heal. Put simply, humanity has separated, our, has separated ourselves from God, but he is bringing us back through Christ. So there's the thumbnail version. That's the, we're going to dig into the story a bit more next week. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's good news, great news. We can become new people. Our old selfish lives don't define us anymore. The broken place of our lives, the broken places of our lives can be healed. That's what God is doing. That's what God has done. So now here's the question. This is what we want to talk about. How do we participate in that? How do we, like, I can understand how I might participate in healing injustice, right? You go and you do just things and work uh, to overcome poverty and stuff, but how do you participate in healing separation from God? I mean, salvation, it's kind of God's job, isn't it? It's not ours. Well, let's keep reading because Paul gives us a bit of an answer here. Look at, uh, we'll read verse 18 again. Paul says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Get this. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. All right, so <laughs> there's our answer. There's our answer. God is healing separation, yes. He's bringing us back to himself through Christ, but how's he doing it? Look at what we just read. He's given us this task of reconciling people to him. He gave us this, this message of reconciliation. Verse 20, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. In other words, there are, are two truths about this world. Truth number one, people are separated from God like we just talked about. Hatred, rebellion, pain, sin, isolation, all of it. We're separated from God. Truth number two, God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. Verse 19, he's no longer counting people's sins against them. Those are two fundamental truths. People are separated. God is reconciling. But it is our job to help the people around us make those two truths connect. That's our job, okay? We're making those two truths connect. Come back to God. It's possible now. That's our message. I mean, that is, that is the good news of Jesus. That's what the word gospel literally means in Greek, good news. That's our message. That's what we're here to say. God is making his appeal through us. But right here is the point where I know for many of us, you get that like tight constriction in your chest. You're like, because oh no. Barry, you're talking about evangelism, aren't you? <laughs> you're talking about, oh my gosh, you're talking about evangelism. 
immediately our mind is just filled with all these images, right? At least if you're, if you're like me, you're probably filled with these images of, of people going door to door with pamphlets in their hand. Everybody inside is like, turn the lights off. Turn, don't, we don't want to talk to them, right? You get that image in your mind. Or, or maybe you've seen like a, an angry street preacher with one of those really like high gain microphones out on the street corner just yelling about judgment and the end of times and all that stuff. And you're thinking like, oh, that's not, how could we possibly be a part of the same organization, right? That, you see that, you're embarrassed. Or, or maybe you've got in mind these awkward, embarrassing moments where you feel like you're supposed to somehow like brute force your way into a spiritual conversation. You're like, yeah, I mean, the show is pretty good, but have you heard about the true Lord of the Rings? Or like whatever, you know, <laughs> you, you get these, these awkward moments. It's just, ugh, ugh, it just makes you like want to just gag a little bit, right? Or, or frankly, maybe it makes your mind go to some darker places. Like maybe, maybe you think about the times you've seen people claiming to be speaking for God, speaking for Jesus, but the words coming out of their mouth are judgmental or, or hateful or exclusionary. Maybe that's what you've seen. Maybe you immediately start thinking of the many, 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 many people that you know of who have been hurt by the church. People you love, people you care about who want nothing to do with Jesus because of the way that people who follow Jesus have acted in their lives. Maybe that's where you go. If that's, if that's what comes to mind when you think about evangelism, about sharing the good news of Jesus, then guess what? I don't blame you at all if you don't want to be associated with it because I don't either, right? So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? People are separated from God. We see the pain and the loss and the brokenness of the people we care about. We see it all the time. The addiction, the self-hatred, the rage, the greed, the pain. We know, we know they were made for more than this. People are separated from God. And we know that God is reconciling people to himself. So how do we help our friends and our neighbors and family members connect these two truths when the credibility gap is so wide? How do we do that? Well, that's what I want us to talk about for this month. I want us to go there and begin to, to find a path forward because inaction, silence is not an option for us. The world is broken. We've got to, to join God in healing it. And if we have a job to do, then we had better find out how to do it without making ourselves feel like we are not true to who we really are, right? We've got to find a way. We've got to find a way. There is hope. That's the good news. There is hope, but we've got to look for a way to move forward in this time, in this space that we are in, when our culture has some very different presuppositions about Christianity and the message that we have. So here's what I want to do today. I know we're, this is like, well, there's no way we're going to be able to cover all of this, but I want to just plant a seed in your mind that we're going to develop over the next several weeks. A, a single idea that I think can help to take this responsibility of God making his appeal through us and, and help make it simple, okay? At least maybe a little bit more graspable. It's something that we've talked about at Grace many times over the years, um, but it's a concept that I want you to understand. It's the concept of your one. Your one. Okay? This is a, a way that, we, that we've often talked about this issue of sharing the good news with others. Basically, it goes like this. Rather than, than thinking of all the hurting people in your life, all the people who, who are separated from God, distant from God, all the people walking on the streets that, that don't want anything to do with them, 
Rather than thinking about all that, who is one person, one person that you feel God's Spirit has placed deeply in your heart? Maybe you already know who it is, but if not, I want you to think. Ask God, who is it in my world? Maybe it's a coworker or a family member or a, or a friend or a classmate. Who is one person? Who is your one that you long for that person to be reconciled with God? to be healed, to experience that healing. Think of the name. Think of their faith. Who is your one? And I'm going to ask this. What would it look like for you to dedicate yourself to healing their separation from God, to helping heal that separation? And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Barry, we already covered the fact that evangelism makes me queasy, right? Or, or maybe you're, you're, you're thinking like, okay, you don't, you don't have any idea how—, <coughs> how Low, their, how low their opinion of Christians is. Like, they're not going to want to hear me talk about this stuff. Or maybe you're thinking, you, look, you don't even know the stuff that they're into, right? They are not open to spiritual conversations, I'll tell you that much. The idea of talking to them about God makes me want to throw up, right? That, that, maybe that's how you feel. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But what if, what if instead of knocking on their door with a pamphlet in your hand, what if instead of shouting through a microphone on a street corner, what if there was another way? Another way to help your one reconnect, to come back to their creator? Well, I think there is. And I think Paul gives us a hint in this very passage. Take a look at, uh, at verse 20. Paul says, that in this whole business of, of reconciling others, that we are Christ's ambassadors. You see that? We are Christ's ambassadors. What's an ambassador? Um, well, an ambassador is, put simply, an authorized representative of another, of someone else. Think of like a, an American ambassador to a foreign country. What do they do? Well, they do two things, right? First, they represent our country to that one. And then the other thing they do is they represent that country uh, back to ours. Or let's use an ancient example. In Paul's day, if, if, if Caesar, you know, the Roman Caesar, if he sent an ambassador from Rome to Parthia, for example, it's another nation back then, if that ambassador went to Parthia, he would speak with the authority of Caesar, with the, the words of Caesar, the message of Caesar. And as he went to Parthia, it was his responsibility to represent all of the Roman values and customs and interests in that foreign land, right? At the same time, that ambassador, whenever he would come back to, to Rome, he would represent Parthia to Caesar. This is what they want. This is what they're asking for. This is what they need, right? That's, that was his job. So what if you were God's ambassador to your one? What if that's how you looked at it? What would that do in your mind? How would that uh, shape the way that you think about that relationship? Well, two things, I think. Just like an, an ambassador, a literal physical ambassador, number one, you would represent God to your one. Okay, you represent God to your one. You are God's authorized representative in their lives. I know that's a huge task because you're thinking, I'm not anywhere near perfect. Totally get it. You're not. Neither am I. But you are God's authorized ambassador in their lives. What would that look like for you? Well, first of all, it would mean you got to kind of move into their life, right? You got to be involved, invested in their lives. If, if you want to, to represent God's message of love to them, you've got to be in their life. But as you do, and this is what I don't want you to miss, as you move into their lives, you've got to act like your king. 
You gotta represent the, the values and the customs of your home country. And what is that home country? Well, it's what we call the kingdom of God. Elsewhere, Paul calls us citizens of heaven, right? We come from another place, and so when you are an ambassador somewhere, you have to represent the place that you've come from. So in our neck of the woods, where we come from, we offer grace to those who are broken, to those who mess up, to those who hurt us. Love is the law of the land in our nation. We are generous people. We're a, we're a forgiving people. We're humble. We're humble. We give of ourselves to lift others up. It's what we do. It's the character of our people. So if you are God's ambassador to your one, then start, start by demonstrating this culture of your home country. Don't worry about words, right? Don't try to find a clever turn of phrase. Don't even think about speaking. Worry about action. Worry about action. Genuine love, genuine compassion is what bridges the credibility gap more than anything else. There are dozens, dozens of things that you can do for your one to represent the values of our king without ever busting out the four spiritual laws, without ever getting into theological arguments. Focus on living out the radical, self-giving love of Jesus in their lives. Act like Christ to them. Demonstrate his love, demonstrate his grace, and your one, I guarantee, is going to eventually be surprised by hope, surprised by, by the way that you're acting. And then when they ask, you could be ready to respond, as the apostle Peter puts it. He says, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. In other words, do what your Lord tells you to do. Be like him, right? And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, well, always, always just be ready to explain it. The day that comes when your one asks you, why, why are you acting like this? Why do you love me so much? You can answer pretty clearly. Well, why am I acting like this? Uh, I was separated from God, but he brought me back to himself through Jesus, and you can come back too. Again, not because you're perfect, not because you're some paragon of, of, of holier-than-thou perfection. No, because you have a story of being healed from your separation. You've experienced healing and the brokenness in your life, and you want them to experience it too. You are Christ's ambassador to your one. Represent your king well. But remember, an ambassador has two jobs. One, you got to represent your king to who you're going to, but second, you got to represent your one back to God. What do they need? What are they struggling with? What are the, the obstacles standing in their way? You're Christ's ambassador to them, which means that you are authorized, you are authorized to walk right into the throne room of God and ask him to do something about it. That is your job. He's given you that authority. Through Christ, you can go face to face with your creator and you can ask him to, to, to do whatever you need to help your one come back to him. I know you care about your one. Your heart breaks for their pain, for their anger, for their isolation. You care, right? They wouldn't be your one if you didn't care. So be encouraged that God has chosen you to be his messenger to them. He sent you into their lives for this purpose. He wants you to be a part of healing their separation from him. You are Christ's ambassador. Represent well the values of your kingdom, God's kingdom, and don't stop bringing your one to God in prayer.
The words will come in time. The words will come for now. Let your actions and the cry of your heart to God be your, uh, be the way that you do the talking, right? And maybe, maybe with this mindset in mind, as you, as you move into their lives, maybe you will be the one who starts to get surprised by hope. In just a moment, we're gonna give you an opportunity to do just that, to bring your one to God in prayer. Blake and Cassie are gonna come up and explain. Uh, we've got a little activity for you guys to, to uh, capture the name of your one and, uh, and do so in a way that you can pray for them and lift them up to God and, and represent them well to your creator. But before we do that, let me just pray for us, okay? Well, Father, I know this is uh, merely scratching the surface. We've got a lot to dig into still. But even so, Father, I'm, I feel like this is an important thing for us to remember. The idea that you have sent us. We are not just passive bystanders. We have a job to do. And so, Father, I pray, in light of all that we just talked about, in light of the challenges we're facing, the credibility gap, people don't want to talk about spiritual things, Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness not to speak but the boldness to act, to live out the values of your kingdom. Father, may we be a people who is so self-giving, so humble, so loving, so grace-filled that our ones and the many, many other people in our community who are far from you, that they would have no choice but to wonder, what is it that's different about this community? Would you give us boldness? And Father, would your Holy Spirit guide our thoughts and our actions and our words? as we love our friends and neighbors and plead with them, as Paul says, to come back to God. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us through Jesus. And I pray, Father, that many more would come to understand what you have done for them. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.